Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. The Lord prompted me multiple times throughout the day to make sure that I emphasize John chapter 16. It was where we ended last night, so it's appropriate for us to begin, but the, the promptings of the Lord were so strong for the emphasis of this because what he kept instructing me is let them know this is my priority. This is a priority to me, that we have fullness fullness of joy. So John chapter 16, verse 24, hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. The Weiss translation says that your joy, having been filled completely full, might persist in that state of fullness in present time. So it's not enough that it was once full. It's not enough that it's full sometimes. The Lord emphasized to me, we need to make priority of having a fullness of joy. And that means that we're going to have to become skilled in cultivating the force, the fruit of joy that this cultivation of joy becomes something that's purposeful and diligent in our lives, that we develop a discipline, like maybe you have a discipline about taking certain vitamins or certain supplements. Maybe you have a discipline of, of certain things that you do, if it's maybe walking or exercising, that discipline in the beginning you had to to had set reminders for yourself. You had to do things to make that discipline a daily part of your life. And he says, make the cultivation of joy a daily part of your life. Because what happens where the enemy is concerned is he uses situations and circumstances a little bit at a time. They're not always frontal attacks. They're not always abundant attacks that come in a visible way that you can see them coming. Sometimes it's a little bit here, a little bit of responsibility here, situations happening, things that break down, things that are got behind, when, and they begin to pile up, and they begin to little by little in a way that you don't understand it, in a way that you don't see it, you're not aware of it. Pastor Marie used an example one time of a, a, a frog in boiling water. You can't throw a frog into boiling water because it will jump out. But if you put the frog in the water and you gradually turn the, the heat up to boiling, the, uh, the 
temperature of its body will adjust little by little and it will stay there until it boils to death. Not recognizing this is too hot, I've got to get out of this situation. And sometimes the enemy piles on little by little and so people don't recognize. They just add another thing onto their load. They just just accept another responsibility until they little by little they are overwhelmed or little by little they're, they're in that heaviness. But if we become diligent and disciplined and skilled in the developing of joy, then we are never at a deficit. We, if we stay full, we'll, we'll never find ourselves in that dilemma. And we will always have the strength to be able to resist what the enemy brings. Hallelujah. So your joy, filled completely full, might persist in that state of fullness, living full. Every day filled with the joy. So this assignment that the Lord has given us, we've recognized that joy is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not something that I have to feel to respond to. In the same way that the love of God is a force of the Spirit. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Joy is not an emotion. So we don't wait till we feel something to yield to it. We purposefully yield to the flow of joy because it is resident in us as a fruit of the Spirit. It is a part of our anointing because our head, the the Lord Jesus Christ, he is anointed with the oil of gladness. And it says that everlasting joy will be upon our heads and that we will obtain joy and sighing and sorrow will flee from us. Amen? So I want to tell you how tonight. I want, to, I want us to see how because I've been in services and we'll talk about the joy of the Lord and I have been in services where the spirit of the Lord moved and we laughed and we left here drunk in the spirit, right? But we're talking about an everyday, they were talking about a lifestyle, we're talking about living so we can't live spiritually drunk all the time. But the Bible tells us to be being filled with the Spirit. Amen? But we need to be um, in this fullness. We need to understand how do I have this full level of joy? What do I need to do to develop it? What can I do? So let's look at some specifics. Psalm 100. We looked at verse 2 last night, but I want to look at the whole psalm. Tonight, because it is a handbook of developing joy, of yielding to this joy. We're going to find some how-tos, because it's not just laughing. That's not the only way to yield to joy. That is one way, but it's not the only way. It says in verse 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. So there will be noise involved. And as long as there's joy in the noise, it's appropriate. Joy, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Number two, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. And we've discussed that word glad. The word glad means that bright, 
shining because of his, that shine with joyful brightness because of his aid and protection is what the Hebrew word means of glad. Shine with a bright, a joyful brightness because he's on my side. He's helping me. He's protecting me. He's keeping me. Amen? So serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That's the basis. That's the foundation of all joy. That's the foundation of all worship. That's the foundation. That's the basis of praise right there. Know that the Lord, he is God. He created us. We wouldn't be here without him. This earth wouldn't be here without him. The people we know, we wouldn't know without him. Everything that exists, it exists because God made it. Amen? He is God. My body is not my own. He created my body. I'm bought with a price. Everything in my life, everything I have, and we go back to that teaching on humility, that recognition that he is God. And beside him, there is no other. That is the basis of my joy. That's the basis of my praise. That's the basis of my worship is because I know who he is. I know where he, he sits in the level of importance of all things. Amen. Know that the Lord, he is God. That acknowledging Verse 4, enter into his gates. How? Thanksgiving is an entry point. It is always appropriate to start every prayer with, Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Why? Because that's an entry into his presence. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and then enter his courts with praise. So from the courts... From the gates to the courts, that's advancement into a deeper accessibility to his presence. So thanksgiving then is followed by praise. Praise is acknowledging his works, acknowledging his accomplishments, acknowledging what God has done. Amen? And then it says, be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. So for us to accurately develop this joy, this fruit of joy that's available to every believer because you're born again and equipped with the joy, but to develop it, then I'm going to have to interact with God in these ways. I'm going to have to Come into his presence. I'm going to have to serve him with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, being thankful unto him. So it's more than just laughing, isn't it? It's more than just feeling an emotion of excitement or, or thrill. It is, this is the developing of joy. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's good. The Lord is good. 
His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. So those are those are those are elements of my praise, elements of my worship. I'm worshiping Him for His goodness. I'm worshiping His truth. Hallelujah. You know, I have found that as I have taken these things out of the Bible and put them into my worship, my worship has matured. As I, instead of just worshiping on that level of what I can see and what I can feel, thank you for what you did, and those are entry points. Remember, we're thankful. Those are entry points, but then I began to worship him for his goodness. One that I've been on for a while is his faithfulness. I am enthralled with the faithfulness of God. I am impressed with his faithfulness. I am grateful for his faithfulness. Amen? Hallelujah. This, these aspects of his character become a part of our praise, a part of our worship. So notice these are all instructions. Make a joyful noise. Serve him with gladness. Know he's God. Enter with thanksgiving. Be thankful. Bless his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So these are parts of developing that joy. Another place I want us to see is Isaiah 12. Isaiah chapter 12. And let's read again the whole verse. There's only six verses here, the whole chapter. Isaiah 12, 1 through 6. And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. You were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, with joy, shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. So he's telling them, in that day, you're going to say this. In that day, you're going to come to this understanding and, and say, oh, Lord, I will praise you. And you will declare that he is your salvation. And then because with the container of joy, you're going to draw out of the rescue. You're going to draw out of the supply. Joy is a container that transports out of the spiritual supply of the salvation, which means rescue, healing, restoration, deliverance. All of those things are included in the word salvation. How do I get that rescue into my situation? How do I get the healing into my body? How do I get the light of God to shine on the path of my children? How do I get that situation turned? How do I get the spiritual supply into my physical situation? Joy. Joy transports out of that well of salvation into your situation. With joy, you'll draw it out. With joy, you'll draw it out. Hallelujah. So how do I do that? You'll say, praise the Lord. 
That's number one. Number two, you'll call upon his name. Now, I'm going to slow down right here, and we're going to go through each of these because they're not what you, when just at first glance, you think, oh, praise the Lord. The word here means to show or point with the hand extended. To show or point with the hand extended. Praise the Lord. To give thanks, to celebrate, to show or point with the hand extended. So when I'm praising the Lord, I'm pointing at something specific in him or something specific he's done. Hallelujah. 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 We're making his name great. We're giving him glory. To point at specific things he's done in our lives. To point at the way he, he brought us through. To point at the provision that he made that was a supernatural way that he did that. To point at the way he led us. To point at the way he rescued our child in that car accident. Amen? To point at those specific things that's praising the Lord. To show or point with the hand extended. We're talking about how do I, how do I put the bucket of joy into the well and draw it out. Point. Point to him. Number two, call upon his name. It means to proclaim, to call for or commission. So when I call upon his name, I'm proclaiming. I'm, I'm commissioning him in that situation. I'm calling upon his name. Then it says, declare his doings. That means to make known, to reveal, to acknowledge. Declare his doings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To declare his doings. Do you remember when the, the story Brother Hagen tells of how the Lord showed him those four points, those four things. To he said, he titled it, How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. The Lord didn't title it that, but, but Brother Hagen titled it that because he said, when you go to Waffle House, when you go to a restaurant, he, he went to a restaurant. I, I've been to Waffle House and ordered it this way. He, he said, if you go into a diner and you tell them how you want it, and he said, then the waitress hollers back there to the cook well, you know, if you've ever, anybody ever gone to Waffle House? Or have you ever got some scattered, smothered, covered, and chunked? Come on now. You had to learn how to order that, right? I would like some hash browns with a little bit of cheese and some bacon maybe or some ham over it, maybe some onions. No, 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 that's, they're like, what? That's scattered, smothered, covered, and chunked right there. You just called it all out. You got to know how to order it. And so Brother Hagen was talking about he would be, he said, I was in a diner and I ordered something and the, the woman called out something I couldn't even recognize. She knew the lingo. She knew what the, the cook would understand, right? You've got to, to, to order it. And so that's why he called it how to write your own ticket with God because the Lord said you've got to 
You've got to say it. You've got to do it. You've got to receive it. And then you've got to what? Tell it. And he was asking specifically about the woman in Mark chapter 5 and said, Lord, there's something else in her story, and I feel like the Holy Spirit's been trying to give me a message, and the Lord said he has been trying to give you a message, and that's when he gave him these four points. He said, what was the first thing that she did? And he said, I had never seen it before until that day in that conversation with the Lord. I'd never seen it before. He said, she said it. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She said it. And then she did it. She pressed her way through the crowd. And then what happened? She received it. But then what happened? See, as, as a preacher, I would have thought, that's enough right there. She, she got it. She received it. But the Lord said, don't stop there. That, that was not the end of his outline. Because how did she... How did she get faith to start saying what she said when she heard about Jesus? Well, that wasn't what she did. That's what she heard. But he included tell it because that's how somebody else is going to get it started for them. And then Brother Hagin said, okay, now, Lord, you've shown me that, but I need witness. You said out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. And so Brother Hagen took him, the, Brother Hagen said, I need more scriptures than just this one. Where else have I seen? The, and the Lord said, I've got that. And the Lord took him over to the prodigal son. And he talked to him about how the prodigal son started saying, started saying in my father's house, it, it, the, the servants in my father's house, I'm going to go home to my father's house. He said it. He did it. He received it. And then there was the telling of it. Right? And then he said, well, that's two, but I need another. And the Lord said, you remember David and Goliath. How that five different times David said what he was going to do to Goliath. And then he said it, so he did it. He received it, and then there was the telling of it. So do you see how the telling of it, the acknowledging of it, the pointing, the declaring his works, it's not just for me, but it's a part of what, it's a part of my developing joy. It's a part of my, it's a part of stirring in me. Brother Hagen said something that has always stuck with me. He said, if, if you want robust faith, always talk about what God's already done for you. That's the declaring. Because there's a supernatural surging in your spirit. That when you begin to talk about it, you'll talk yourself into happy. You'll talk yourself into joy. You'll talk yourself into The more you tell it, you're like, that's right. And you get yourself all stirred up. Why? Because in that declaring of his mighty works, there's a stirring and there's a supply that's brought to you in the telling of it. Hallelujah. So he says, declare his doings. Make them known. Reveal it and acknowledge it. Acknowledge is an interesting word. 
because the word knowledge is in there, but it's acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. And so you... Things can happen. Things can happen good for you. And it's possible not to give it the appropriate attention. It's possible because Hezekiah did it. Hezekiah, he was healed of something that was terminal. The Lord sent Isaiah in to tell Hezekiah to put his affairs in order because not God wasn't killing him. God was just letting him know you need to put your affairs in order because you're coming to an end. And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed. He, he made some adjustments. He, he repositioned himself in the presence of God. And God, in his mercy, gave Hezekiah more years, added years onto his life. With a supernatural sign of the sundial going back. Supernatural. It wasn't the doctors. It wasn't some cure they found. It was God. It was God with a supernatural revelation shown to indicate, I'm giving you this mercy. And then it tells us that Hezekiah did not render unto God according to the benefit that he had received. You know what that means? He got up off his deathbed, dusted his clothes. What's on the agenda for today? Moments before, he's about to die. God raises him up, and there wasn't proper acknowledgement. That's what it says. He did not render unto God according to the benefit. According to is a harmony word. If you want to be in accord, there needs to be that harmony. All in one chord. You don't want some people singing in the chord of G and some people singing in a different chord. Right? You want that harmony. So there was, there was an appropriate measure of thanksgiving and of acknowledgement. He did not render unto God. That's King James. He did not render unto God according to the benefit. Can you search that in the, um, the Bible software there and pull that up? He did not render unto God according to the benefit that God, of what God had done. So just try that render. In the book of Isaiah, in the book of Chronicles, it would be first or second Chronicles. He did not render unto God according to the benefit. There's an appropriate thanksgiving and acknowledgement. Let's say this somebody walks up and, and blesses you with $20. Are you thankful? Do you acknowledge it? You would acknowledge it. That was so nice of you. Thank you. What a blessing. Thank you so much. Let's say somebody walks up and says, today I'm going to pay your house off. Would you give the same acknowledgement that you gave for the 20? Would there be a different level of gratitude? A different level of acknowledgement? 
Amen? So he says, there was a level of acknowledgement. He did not render unto God according to the benefit that was done for him. This is the acknowledgement that we're talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, there you go. Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. All right, what other translation do you have? Show me, show me amplified. Hallelujah. He did not make return to the Lord according to the benefit done to him. Making return to the Lord. Rendering again. Making return. How do you make return for the benefit that he's done to you? You acknowledge it. That was God. That didn't just happen to me. This wasn't coincidence. God did this. I acknowledge God. We're talking about developing our joy. We're talking about developing this fruit of joy. What do I have to learn to do? I have to acknowledge. I have to declare what God is doing. Not just keep it to myself and, well, that was nice. Declare what God is doing. Amen. Tell. Give him glory. Rejoice before him. I, I've, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. On the, the day that, on the weekend that Dr. Ed Dufresne, when his plane went down and uh, he moved to heaven, that week when she went in to tell the staff and, and to, to confront, the, to let the staff know what was going on, she was not aware but she went into the financial officer of their ministry and said, tell me where we are with his side of the ministry. And she said, we didn't give paychecks last pay period. Today is pay period, and we don't have it to give them today. And so it was on a Monday morning. I think his plane had gone down on Friday. And so she said, well, I'm going to go home and paint my fingernails. And she went to her house, and she said, there's nothing I can do about it. I don't have it in my pocketbook. I can't just pull it out and take care of it, so I'm just going to cast my care upon the Lord and trust God. And so she was at her home, and this staff member called her and said, someone overnighted $100,000. So that tells me that when the plane went down on Friday... That person immediately, that person said, I felt prompted. I want to be so, so, so yielded to God that all it takes is just one prompting. I mean, $100,000, he didn't have to pray about it overnight. He didn't have to contemplate it immediately, overnighted it, so that it would come to their office on Monday. It was a rescue for their ministry. She said it shifted the whole course of their ministry. And they've never been in arrears again. They've been on, on a whole different place. But she said that, that act of kindness towards this ministry. She said, I didn't just give one thank you. There have been numerous consecutive acts of gratitude that, that I have responded over and over, just consistently looking for ways that I can, can 
say thank you again. Not just once, not just twice, but, but over and over and over again. She has done things, outward demonstrations to that ministry to say thank you for, for following God and obeying God and ministering to our, our church family in that time of need. Why? Because what happened and the result of what that person did, what that ministry did, she's acknowledging it. She's acknowledging God and acknowledging that ministry for how it blessed their church. Amen? Jesus looked for the nine. When the one came back, he said, where are? Where are you? Weren't there... 10 healed? Weren't there 10 lepers that received their lives back? That received their wholeness? That received their healing? What was, they, they all received it. They all enjoyed it. They all went back to their homes and, and back to their families and back to their lives. But only one acknowledged. Hallelujah. They were all great. They were all excited about it, but only one was grateful for it. And the one who was grateful received something that the other nine didn't get. They they got healed of the leprosy, but he got made whole of everything. He got a full restoration. Why? Because there is a part of joy. There is a part of that declaring what he has done and acknowledging what he has done. Hallelujah. That needs to be a part. Amen. So declare his doings. It says make mention. Make mention. The next one is make mention that his name is exalted. And that word make mention means to bring to memory or make a memorial. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then it says, sing unto the Lord, for he has done excellent things. Why are we singing? For he has done excellent things. Why are we singing? He has done excellent things. Amen. So there are times that, and and the praise team and, and Pastor Angel will know this, there are times when you're leading worship and and people are deciding if they're going to enter in. They're just sitting back and they're like, well, I'm not really into that song. But has he done excellent things? We, that's the purpose of the song. That's the reason that we're singing. Amen? And so a lot of times people decide to be reserved. And they decide, I'm not going to be like them and lift my hands. Lifting hands is New Testament worship. Lifting holy hands is appropriate protocol in his presence. Amen? It is, it is New Testament honor for God. Hallelujah. So we don't choose if we're going to enter in. We, we have this diligence and this discipline of entering in. Sing unto the Lord. He has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, you inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of you. Hallelujah. So this 
singing, this crying out, this shouting, these are all verbal responses to his goodness, to his greatness, to the excellent things that he has done. Amen? So there's going to be verbal participation. And again, we're not talking about praise and worship service only. We're talking about in your home. Your home, the atmosphere in your home needs to be charged with rejoicing. There needs to be a consistent atmosphere alignment where you're setting the thermostat in your house with joy, with rejoicing, because it's a lifting. It, it causes a freedom in your home. Hallelujah. And you can't do it without opening your mouth. You can't rejoice completely and accurately without your words, without a release out of your mouth, without your tongue rejoicing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, when do I rejoice? That's how I rejoice. I've seen these specific things, praising the Lord, calling on his name, declaring his doings, making mention of him, singing, crying out, shouting. When do I do that? When do I do that? Once a day, twice a day? Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says rejoice evermore. Philippians 4.4 says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So we're talking about the lifestyle. He said it's a garment of praise. And he doesn't want you to take it off. Wear that garment of praise. Hallelujah. This is the rejoicing. Hallelujah. Now, we've quoted Nehemiah 8.10, so I'm not going to go to it. But Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, one translation says it is your defense. Another translation says it is your well-fortified place. And so when we talk about the joy of the Lord being our strength, we're talking about a protection as well as a strengthening of our spirit. And the strong spirit of a person will sustain them during trouble and during physical attack. And I want to give us a specific why before I close. Psalm chapter 8. You'll recognize it when you see it because Jesus quoted it. And in Psalm chapter 8... It says in verse 2, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings have you ordained strength because of your enemies that you might still the enemy and the avenger. Out of the mouth of babes you have ordained strength. What is the joy of the Lord? Strength. So he says in the mouth he has ordained or established strength in this infant Christian. Now, because it's not as clear, I went through each of the words in the Hebrew dictionary, and I'll tell, I'm going to give you the definition from these words. Are you ready? And it's the whole verse. Are you ready? Out of the mouth of the young child or infant Christian. So we're talking about someone who maybe hasn't been in church long enough, to know how to quote the word, how to pull the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, right? They don't know all of the details about how to resist the devil. 
But it says, out of this person, out of the mouth of this infant Christian, God has set up and laid for a foundation the force, the boldness, and the loud strength because of the enemy to stop him by exertion to wear him out. To make the enemy fail. To cause the enemy to cease. So this joy. Now listen. When you read what Jesus said. Pull up Matthew 21, 16. He's quoting the verse from the Septuagint. And he, now we have it in Greek here in the New Testament. This is how it comes out in the New Testament. Jesus said unto them, have you never read? Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, you have perfected praise. Well, the, New Te- the Old Testament said strength. Jesus said praise. Well, we know joy is strength. So we're talking about the rejoicing. So listen to me. If someone who doesn't even know how to quote the word can wear the devil out with their praises just by rejoicing with their mouth and giving God glory, they can, they can cause the enemy to back up and say, Whoa, you have just wore me down. That is too much. You, I just don't have enough strength to fight against you. They don't even know how to wield a sword yet, but they've got strength in their mouth. Hallelujah. He has prepared that praise in our mouth to wear the enemy out. If a a new believer can do that, how much more if those of us who know how to quote the word of God, who know how to stand and plead the blood and call on the name, if we would employ our joy and employ our praises to stand the enemy down off of our families and off of our, our situations. Hallelujah. He can't stand against it. It will cause him to fail and cause him to cease. Because when you begin to worship God and to praise God and release the joy out of your spirit, the atmosphere in your life changes. There, the, the situation now becomes under God's jurisdiction because he inhabits, he enthrones himself upon the praises of his people. When God takes a position in that situation and says, you're not going to keep doing that in her life you're not going to keep acting that way you're not going to keep holding them back because he's now in charge over that situation it says that when they began to sing praises that when they came out surrounded by the enemy but God told them that they would not have to fight in this battle. Jehoshaphat got with the people and made a decision. God didn't tell them to do it, but Jehoshaphat and the people come to the place that they said, if God says we don't have to fight, why am I going to send out the archers? Why am I going to send out the cavalry? Just go ahead and send the praise team out because God has given us the victory. And they walked out of the, the, the city And they began to say that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. And his mercy endureth forever. And it says, as they began to sing, the Lord set up ambushments. 
Blessed are they who know the passwords of praise. Blessed are those who know how to make a joyful noise, a joyful sound. Hallelujah. Paul and Silas had been beaten and thrown into the innermost dungeons. And in the midnight hour, they prayed and sang praises unto God. And as they sang praises, the atmosphere was charged with the power of God. And a supernatural move of God came into that place that caused a shaking. It caused a quaking. It caused an earthquake that only only affected the locks that were holding them in bondage. The bonds on their hands and the bonds on their feet and the locks on the doors were the only things affected. But when they began to worship God, those things that were holding them back had to be released. Hallelujah. Why? Because they lifted up. The joy of the Lord and release the joy into that situation, praising God and worshiping God, and the enemy failed in his attempts in their life. I'm telling you, when you find yourself facing multifaceted attacks from the enemy, you've got to understand that this I am equipped for. This I am already armed with the joy to defeat this situation. Hallelujah. James chapter 1 and verse 2 says, Consider it all joy when you fall into diverse. The only other time that word diverse is used is when it is talking about the man who uh, fell among thieves and, and the attack against his life, and the, the Samaritan came, the good Samaritan, the others walked around him, but the good Samaritan came. It's talking about the way he was attacked. This word diverse means variegated, multifaceted. When you're attacked from every hand, when you're attacked from every side, when it's piling on, and situation upon situation, when, when you fall into situations that are coming against you, what are you supposed to do? Count it half joy. Count it part joy. All joy. The Berkeley translation says maximum joy. Maximum joy. This is time for maximum joy. The Weiss translation says when uh, consider it a matter for unadulterated joy. That means non-watered down. Don't water, the, don't water it down. It's not time for half-calf. Not time for decaf or half-calf coffee. This is time for full strength. Give me some cowboy coffee. I got a trip to make. I got some ground to cover here, right? Okay? I need, don't water it down. Don't water it down with a little bit of sighing. Don't water it down with a little bit of worry. Don't water it down with a little bit of complaining. Don't water it down, but let me just tell you the details. Don't water it down with the details. This is time for maximum joy. Consider it a matter for unadulterated joy without any admixture of sorrow. The, the, uh, 
Passion Translation says, When it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. The greatest joy that you can. Hallelujah. Because joy isn't just a response to good things that have happened. That's happiness. Joy is a force that gives me overcoming ability. Joy is a force that I need to develop and to strengthen my life with so that no matter what I face, I'm strong enough to face it. Because it's God's strength in me. His strength is released in me through His joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And how do I joy? I rejoice. I praise. I sing. I acknowledge Him. I declare His works. Hallelujah. And I'm going to do those things diligently so that if I do find myself in a situation that calls for maximum joy, I've got a full supply. I'm well stocked. And I know how to max it out and turn the volume all the way up on that joy and maintain it. Brother Hagen made the statement many, many times. He said, I found that I did more, uh, more, uh, targeted rejoicing when I was facing difficult times than just in the good times. Why? Because I know why I'm rejoicing. Hallelujah. The Lord's good to us, isn't he? This is the key to our victory. And he's given us these instructions so that we can be well prepared. He's, you know, he's a good trainer. You know, it says that there has no temptation taken you, but that which is common to man. And with it, God has, it didn't say God doesn't put any temptation on you, but that it says there has no temptation taken you. But God is faithful. He'll make a way for you to escape it. Hallelujah. Because he's a good personal trainer. He'll come to us and he'll say, I know the fight that you're getting ready to have to enter into, and I'm going to make sure that you enter that ring well prepared. You're going to go in the ring the victor, and you're going to come out of the ring the victor because I'm the one preparing you and giving you what you need in advance. So let's, let's follow our trainer's instructions. The Holy Spirit has given us homework. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you glad that you've been a part of living Proverbs 31? I'm so thankful. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. I want to uh, give us an opportunity to minister to the Lord with our offerings because he's been so faithful to minister to us. And he wants to give us an opportunity to sow so that he can give us an opportunity to reap. I heard Brother Charles Capps make a statement in a message that I was recently listening to. And he said that it was during the 70s when the financial crunch had come upon the nation. And he said in the middle of all that, Oral Roberts was building ORU. And he said, I went to the Lord and said, Lord, why did you tell him to build that university right now if you knew everything that was coming? And the Lord said, because I wanted to give my people a place that they could sow. So... God never intended for his people to participate in the financial crunch. Why? He gave them a place to sow. 
Hallelujah. And so God gives us opportunities to sow so that we always have a consistent flow and increase into our lives.